Uncorked. We had to take a couple of weeks off to recharge running into the fall and it felt like no better guest to launch us into September than a dear friend, Trav McKenzie. Trav has been on the show before. Trav is, I mean, a longtime friend, a longtime incredible athlete in your own right in so many ways, an entrepreneur, and yet you took on a new challenge that added a new notch in your belt. <laughs> and that was in July. And when you completed your July challenge, I said, I really want to get you on the pod because I need to hear about this. And so Trav, welcome to the show yet again. Steph, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. I want you to know you might be our first boomerang guest, which is even more exciting. I like that because I think that's returning the favor from uh, Inner Voice. I think you were my first boomerang. So we're, oh. we're even, even Stevens now. I love it. I want to thank you before we dive in for being up for such challenges, especially during this pandemic, that have us all stop in our boots and say, wow, what if I could do something like that too? And for our listeners, if you didn't follow along, Trav, I'm going to ask you to tell us about what you did. But what I want people to know is that you recorded your daily updates on Instagram so we could follow along in the journey. Before I get too far ahead, why don't you tell us what you did and how you spent your month of July? Yeah, perfect. I'd love it. So um, I took on what was called the Calendar Club, and I'm not the first to do it by any means. I had seen um, other friends and colleagues take it on in in other months of the year, um, February and April. So the Calendar Club is you take on a number of miles that corresponds to the day on the calendar. So starting with one mile on July 1st, two miles on July 2nd, all the way up until 31 miles on July 31st. So that was a total of 496 miles for the month of running. And that's kind of the, the crux of, of what July looked, looked like for me, lots of time on my feet. So where you really had me captured was on about from day six to day eight. And you had enrolled your wife who has recently given birth. She's a phenomenal runner in her own right, yet, I mean, Lauren's pep talks and motivational, uh, you know, backing from day six to day eight was pretty incredible. (laughs) And by day eight, you had run eight miles. And I remember being out for a run with a friend and I was like, this is going to be a long month for Trav. It looks like this guy's hurting. And I want to know if that was actually true. Like what was going on for you that early? You had run six miles. That's 10 kilometers for us Canadians. Yeah. How did it feel? Yeah, so I think just to add some clarity there, so it's one plus two plus three plus four plus five. So it was kind of, to me, it was, um, I came into this completely undertrained. I did 75 miles in total in May and 100 miles in total in June, which included uh, an Everesting on a treadmill walking. So my the, the amount of training that I had under my belt and the amount of running that I had on my belt was minuscule. I haven't really been running at all for the last three years. So um, I actually went into this really just believing that I could do it. Uh, and we, even when it got hard on those first few days, I was able just to not to get too far ahead of myself. So I wasn't, I wasn't necessarily thinking about what tomorrow would, would hold for me. I just had a, a sense that if I get through today, 
successfully, then tomorrow's a chance. I'm a chance to get through tomorrow. And I think what happened in those beginning stages and those beginning days is I hadn't run multiple days in a row for a long time. So even just five or six days in a row, my body was like, hang on, hang on a second, what's happening here? We haven't done this in a while. And I think the other thing that played a detriment in the early stages of the month was running too fast. You're out there, you run a mile, you just kind of run easy. Um, to, you know, so for me, it was some of those days I ran with Lauren, she's much faster than me. So I was running to keep up with her. So I wasn't really getting into that rhythm that I found later in the month. So I was kind of just foreign to my body at that point. And I think there was a sense of my body just kind of um, maybe just protesting of, you know, you've done five or six days in a row. Um, you know, day eight, you talk about day eight, I bonked out on the road, I took a, you know, a, a hilly route. I had to run home. It was like an emergency run home to get some fuel and then finish the day. The other thing that, that was interesting was the middle of June, I stepped on the scales for the first time in a long time. And I was, uh, I was 218 pounds. And that was like, that's about 30 plus pounds more than when I was racing. So lots of wine and eating and all of this stuff in COVID and not a lot of exercise so my body was still like adapting and changing and getting used to uh, trying to eat less and trying to, you know, lose some weight. So yeah, there was a lot of stuff happening in that first week that, you know, on the outside probably looked like there's no chance this is going to happen. But I can tell you for a fact that in my mind, there was no doubt that I was not going to finish. Um, injury or illness was the only thing that was going to stop me. There was nothing around mental will and mental capacity and grit that was ever going to stop me from finishing this challenge. Got it. Okay. So we needed to talk to you on day eight um, because that's phenomenal. And you were so vulnerable and so honest about how you were feeling every day. And, you know, what I want to preface even this podcast with is Instagram is full of inspo quotes. The internet is full of like the story of, you know, do impossible things. Yet what I am constantly reminded of is when you are a witness to someone who does something that is impossible or who does something they've never done before, that is real live inspo. That's the real deal. And, and you said that many times. And there were times where you're like, go do something you've never done before today. Yeah. And I was like, words from Trav. And so I want to know like that side of it for you. Like, mm -hmm. so you said there was never a point that you thought you weren't going to finish. And yet, like, what did doing something that began as feeling impossible or brand new, let's call it, what did that feel like? Yeah, there was two things. So there was the um, internal motivation. And I've always been driven by internal motivation. I, I don't really take a lot from seeing someone else do something and thinking, oh, my goodness, like, I need to go and do that because I'm motivated by that person. I look at them and say, well, that's amazing. I'm so happy and proud that you were able to do it but I take a lot of my momentum from my internal motivation and the action that I take. So for me, it was, I came to this realization that I had a, a, a tough relationship with sport and endurance sport. I'd been an athlete, actually our mutual friend, Brent Peace had said to me on a Zoom call that we're on, he called me out and said, uh, Trav used to be an athlete. And that like, that was in June, that was the middle of June. And actually like that, having someone say that to me, I'm like, hang on a second, like, why can't I be an athlete again? Why can't I consider myself an athlete? And why can't I have other people look on me as an athlete? So I thought, you know, there was, there was a couple of things that came up to me that I wanted to set something for myself that I knew was going to take every ounce of energy and strength and motivation that I had internally. 
um, with no guarantee. There was no guarantee that it was going to happen. But in my mind, I knew that it was going to happen. And that I think you can will yourself along sometimes. And the other part of it was I wanted to do something to be of service to others. So much of our endurance sports life and our own lives in, in general are taken up by what can I do for myself or what can I gain for myself? So I took this on as also a fundraiser. Um, I wanted to raise funds for an organization that I really believe in, the Dempsey Center, which provides no-cost cancer support services for anyone who's impacted by cancer. And I know, unfortunately, most of the people listening probably know someone or themselves who have a relationship with cancer, whether it's a loved one or what have you. So it's impactful and the work they do is really impactful. So I had a conversation with Thad Beatty in May, who's a famous guitarist. He has his own um, Music That Moves organization. He's done Ironman. And he said to me, Trav, the most important thing that I found was there's a fourth discipline in triathlon. And that is be of service to other people. And you'll find more strength and motivation and will and grit than you can ever experience yourself. So hearing those words, hearing Brent's words, hearing the internal struggle in my head of I am an athlete, it was this perfect storm of doing something that, as you say, may have looked impossible on the outside. And through the month, that sharing came from a place of, I want other people to know that they can take on more than they think they can. They can take on challenges that stretch them and push them and take everything that they have. But I also wanted to do it to have an impact on making life better for other people. Mm. That's so amazing. You know, I hung out with that in Kona last year and what a legend. What a guy. You can't not meet him and be inspired. And I think this people would say the very same thing about you. It's impossible to meet you and have a conversation with you and not feel inspired. And it's very interesting to hear that you don't take motivation from watching other people because you are, you know, so intertwined in so many incredible stories. And yet to know that your internal motivation, your internal fire burns so much brighter than anything else. Yeah. I have to say the other people that you were of an incredible inspiration to would have been your family. And having, you know, Lauren out there and seeing your daughter, Addie, running with you, some of those moments were just super special to witness on the gram. And I want to know what that means for you and what it means, you know, means to you on a level that doesn't matter. Like no one else knows or can understand the relationship with your wife and with your children Mm -hmm. like you can. And so, you know, how do you involve them and, and make it so special like you do? Yeah. Um, it's because my wife is an absolute saint is why I do these things or why I have the ability to do these things. The amount of um, extra slack that she had to take on was, was incredible. You know, I'm out early in the morning. So she's getting breakfast ready for the kids. Um, I would run every night after dinner. So she's like handling kind of the final part of bedtime. I'm tired. I'm also working. She's also working. So the amount of extra that she took on just to keep our family going was incredible and she's always done that for me like from the first moment that we started um, our relationship i had my accident which we talked about previously i think early on in our relationship so she's always just been this amazing person for me to like pick up the slack and just uh, keep me going and keep me motivated and and i want to return the favor to her as best i can and i remember when i was a kid growing up my dad was a triathlete and i took so much from seeing him do those things. So like I would, my, some of my favorite memories were out riding my bike next to him when I'm an eight year old kid and he's doing his long runs, getting ready for Ironman. And I looked at him as someone that I looked up to, but I also saw that that, that, that is what's possible in life. If you set a goal and you dedicate yourself to a cause and you focus and you make sacrifices, 
you can really achieve whatever you want. So I had that example from my dad. So not that I wanted to, you know, Addie's only three, she's probably not going to remember, but to have her outside cheering as I'm doing 1.25 mile laps around our neighborhood and having her say like, are you running again, data? How was your run? And like engaging in the whole process was like the light of my life. It's like the greatest feeling to have them all involved. And I couldn't do it without them. And one memory that really stands out was the final day, 31 miles. I did it all in one shot. They called me, they FaceTimed me as I'm out on the road and I chat to them and it gave me so much energy. But I finished my run at one of our favorite spots in Maine. It's called Fort Williams. It's this beautiful park overlooking the water. There's this lobster roll truck that sells the best lobster rolls in the world. And I planned to finish my run there. And Lauren was there, um, her parents were there, Addie and Tobin were there, her aunt was there. They were all cheering me on. They had balloons. It was kind of this finish line. And it was just this most amazing experience of doing something that um, probably one of the biggest challenges in my life to get through that amount of miles in a day, but also, you know, cumulatively across the month. But to have them there when I finished, to sit down and put their arm around me and, and eat a lobster all together and celebrate was, uh, it just topped it all off. It was, it was incredible. Yeah. I, I think family is super important as I'm learning now with my family. Sometimes it's chosen family and those can be really dear friends or special people. As I'm learning more about the crazy events that happen during COVID and, you know, what it means to have a crew, it's never felt more palpable, the power of recognizing that all of these things we do that might be individual at the end of the day, having a crew, having the person or people there at the finish line means more than we can ever really put to words. And your family is so that, and that is just so, so cool. Yeah. You mentioned FaceTiming. I want to know what you had. What were you either like fueling yourself with? What was Mm -hmm. in your ears? (laughs) What did, what did it take to keep you going? Because I mean, for context, after day 21, I mean, or 26 for that matter, like you were running a more than a marathon every day. That's, yeah. that's bananas. Yeah, that is bananas. Um, I, so it was funny, the whole, the whole month went in like these tight, these waves, these roller coasters. So the first week it was, you know, I was just running cause you know, you're not running that much. And then the middle weeks I was listening to, I listened to Finding Ultra, Rich Roll's book. I listened to Outliers, Malcolm Gladwell's book. I started to listen to all of Malcolm Gladwell's podcast. I'd throw in like rap for like just a boost of energy at nighttime when I'm running at 10 o'clock at night and my headlamp's going dim. So it changed. It changed like week to week. And there was days where I wanted nothing to do with anything in my ears. There was days where I couldn't think about a step without having music on. So it totally just changed throughout the month. And I actually, as far as fueling goes, I actually found that towards the end of the month, I became so efficient aerobically that I would like, I would hardly need to eat anything. I would, I had my noon endurance in a handheld that I'd uh, refill every hour because it was super hot in July here, but I would just eat normal meals outside of that. To that point, I like, I became so efficient that like, I didn't even need to fuel during the runs. It was, it was a cool experience to go from, I'm going to bonk at eight miles to running 31 miles on like a bag of chips and a, and a bottle of noon endurance. It was, Gosh. it was amazing what the body can do and how it can adapt over such a short period of time. Yeah. Wow. I have two questions left. First one is, do I even ask, did you step on the scale on July 31st? I did. And I've stepped on the scale continually after that because I'm like on a roll and I'm down to 188. So 30 pounds in two and a half months. Stop it. 
I'm fighting fit. I'm ready to go here, Steph. I'm almost at race weight here. Holy cow. I, that is not the number I thought you were going to share. <laughs> and, <laughs> I mean, there's so much of this that feels crazy. And the whole goal is that to people listening, you realize that running, you know, the mile on the calendar every day feels nuts. Losing 30 pounds in six or eight weeks also can feel crazy. And I hope we all get motivation from inside. And yet I hope you listen to this and think if Trav can do it, we can try to. And that's the goal. But holy Hannah, that's incredible. Well, at fighting race weight, I can't help but ask what's next. I'm glad you asked. So I actually am going to do this event called Last Man Standing in Maine on September 5th. And this event is something that I actually saw some friends of mine do last year in person. And I signed up the next day. I was like, this is, I can get around this. This is exactly what I want to do with my life. So um, I signed up for the race. My training, as you heard earlier, wasn't the best up until July. Um, So this was kind of like a bit of cram training for this race as well. But so it's a 4.2 mile loop in the woods of Maine. And then the race starts starts again on the hour every hour until there's only one person left so there's no designated miles to run there's no designated amount of time it's go until you can't go anymore and one thing that I've committed to myself and I'll make this commitment to everyone else here is that I'm not going to quit while I'm sitting down in a chair if I'm going to fail or I'm going to stop I'm going to do it on my feet on the trail so you won't find me saying I'm done and tapping out in the tent if I ever do that, uh, it'll be out on the trail. So you can hold me to that uh, post, post event. Gosh, I just got goosebumps. I have one logistical question around that though. So you're, the time in which you cover the 4.2, 4.6 yep. miles, 4.2, yep. 4.2 miles doesn't matter. It's just how many hours do you get up on the hour and do it again? Yeah, exactly. So as long as you come in under that hour, so if you finish in 58 minutes, you have two minutes break. If you finish in 35 minutes, you have 25 minutes break. So that's another part of it is this strategy. I love the strategy of how am I going to attack this? How am I going to take this on? Um, You know, and it's not to cover 4.2 miles in an hour isn't, isn't that difficult. Um, But do it over and over again for 20 or 30 times, it starts to become a challenge. So um yeah, we'll see. I'm, I'm excited to, to put on a number. There's strict COVID social yeah. distancing protocols. It's not a, um, you know, I'm very determined to, to make sure that happens. It'll be exciting. Trav, you have always been an incredible inspiration and you've been an inspiration for having an ability to see a vision and to see what's possible and to be unwavering in the pursuit to get there. And I say this with all the love in my heart, you haven't always gotten there along the way. And yet the fact that you just have not stopped and you have been relentless and you have been unwavering in the commitment and to see you now literally back right on top, it's incredible. And um, I just want you to know that you completely fuel the fire inside of me to do something. And I know I'm not alone and I know it takes someone very special and that is Lauren to be along for the journey. And you would never say that you could do this alone. And thank you. Thank you for sharing. We will follow you on September 5th. I hope you are the last man standing. (laughs) I think you're crazy and you're incredible. 
Thank, Thank you, you so much. I appreciate the opportunity and the feeling is mutual. The feeling, I, I feel exactly the same about you. I love anyone who's taking on challenges. And when I said earlier, I, I don't get motivation from other people. It doesn't mean I don't admire and look up to people and you're someone I look up to and admire for your tenacity as well. And I think that my last point that I want to make is you don't always have to be on top. You don't always have to be on top of your game, but in your mind, you have to know that you're always moving forward and you're always moving towards something. And it doesn't matter how long it takes to get there because you have as long as you need until you can get there. So just don't ever give up. Don't stop. Just keep moving forward. Gosh. Well, the hashtag for Traff McKenzie is never, ever give up. And I think you are <laughs> living that um, to its fullest. So we will make sure the results are come with this podcast. We are cheering for you and don't stop. Never, never give up. Amazing. Peace. Peace.